0: As part of a mysticism class that I've been attending, I was asked before we begin a section on um, metaphor if I would prepare a presentation about the historical surroundings or the historical setting for the book of Revelation in the Christian New Testament. Uh, I've begun to look back through some of my old textbooks for some information. And now and then I'll sit on the couch by the coffee table and do some reading or uh, studying with cable news, not Fox, on in the background. Uh, If I want to see Fox News, I can go anyplace else in town and it'll be on. Uh, as I saw repeated images of the reddish-brown sludge building up in our wetlands here in Louisiana, I came upon charts of the plagues in Revelation. The corresponding verse for one of the plagues uh, was... uh, reads like this. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The images from the Gulf are disturbing. I seem to mention that every week. Our human inability to control circumstances that we generate is disturbing. But even beyond that, it occurred to me for at least a moment that those images might come to be interpreted by uh, some of our neighbors as sure indications of end, end times. That things are wrapping up here on the planet. Forgetting temporarily about the, those same individuals' confidence in their safety from whatever horrors might come along. My first thought was how terrifying that would be for them. and i immediately began to consider what one might do to help mitigate that fear i flashed on scenes of well-meaning but somewhat overzealous and naive possibly unitarian universalists emphatically trying to argue that believers be, argue the believers into a different understanding I did not, however, see that working at all. Even in my imagination, that approach failed miserably. And I could imagine others trying a somewhat generally similar tactic, but trying to talk rather than argue um, people into with a you know lower-keyed approach, attempting to talk them into changing their perspective. Rather than arguing about it, but uh, but the distress level remained unchanged. Next, I saw groups of concerned citizens sitting around, trying to brainstorm helpful solutions—not to the situation in the Gulf, mind you—but to the emotional response that those of other religious traditions were having in my imagination. These conversations seem to center around ideas of distraction, you know, employing tactics of redirection, and thinking that somehow that would relax the convictions of others. Well, I don't think that would work to alter my convictions, and I don't imagine it would work to alter other people's either for more than just a second. But then I flashed on this image of a single person sitting calmly watching quietly and waiting. This person was really rather androgynous. Was larger in scale than those other people I had been imagining. And I think maybe a greatness of character or spirit made them seem clearly more than all the other people in this scene, these scenes that I was creating. More than those who were trying to remedy what they genuinely perceived as distress in other people. By this observer, there was no actual action being taken, no sales pitch or fussing, just a calm, a calm that was larger than life. my impression was that he or she saw very clearly how things stood and was aware of potentials, possibilities, and purposes that were beyond the current circumstances or the obvious circumstances. And as this person sat, the swirling, frenzied panic... Began to organize a little bit. It didn't cease, it didn't go away, but it seemed less frenetic. And I thought simply, yes. As I mentioned, the panic I initially thought possible from looking at the building oil slime and the Revelation text is not actually what the faith response would be for a Christian, even fundamentalists. I expect that their concern would be more for me or for you. So the dynamic that I imagined wouldn't happen for the reasons that I imagined it, but it could be set up nonetheless. It could still elicit some of the same unfortunate responses from us. If we see only our own reasoning, we fail to appreciate the intentions of others. Even if common ground cannot be found, there is much more peace established when people genuinely feel heard and understood than when equally determined and equally closed-minded individuals face off. We often want to share the things that delight us, the insights we believe ourselves to have, you know, impart our wisdom to those we think might either be able to understand it or might benefit from it. Maybe it's human nature to think that the understanding that we have come to our best understanding in any given moment is also something that would be good for everybody else. But it's not. It is not the best understanding for anyone else at whatever point they have reached in their life. if I had figured that out a good bit earlier I could have spared myself a number of hard lessons but I think it took the lessons it took for me to come to that realization I think it takes whatever lessons it takes for us to realize whatever we realize advice is much easier to give than to receive as Susan brought up this morning I would again invite you to think bring to mind a lesson that someone taught you whether that's whoever it is that you identify as a loving guiding spirit in your life and think about how it is that you came to learn that lesson i mean was it was being told enough what do parents do to alleviate fear And someone that they're responsible for. As I remember my father, he was not a complicated man. What you saw was what you got. He had a ready smile, a good, if sometimes corny, sense of humor. And I don't remember ever hearing him raise his voice. He devoted a great deal of his time and service to other people and to various organizations in which he volunteered. Many of those were through the church I grew up in. I very much respected and admired my father. As best I know, he never lied to me. But the lessons I learned from him were not the result of anything he said, really. As best I can determine, they all came from my observations of the way he was in the world. Though he was in the Pacific during World War II and would argue the case for the necessity of war, he lived his life as a particularly peaceful man. Once a student came to the Buddha and asked, Are you the Messiah? No, answered the Buddha. Well, then, are you a healer? The student inquired. No, the Buddha replied. Then, are you a teacher? He persisted. No, I am not a teacher. Then, what are you? asked the student, exasperated. The Buddha replied, I am awake. In this world, with all its growing problems, there is certainly room for vision, creative thinking, and the sharing of ideas. Conversation is wonderful, exchanging thoughts, ideas, and discoveries is critical and valuable. All of that is necessary and part of the beautiful interaction that makes us the human and social animals that we are. Still, I think many aspects of what goes on around us need wise parenting more than they need additional adult-generated adolescent agitation or angst or argument. I'd like to suggest that we remember the maxim, knowledge speaks and wisdom listens. The Dalai Lama said, my approach is to promote values that enable the individual to have a calm mind. We can only create peace if we are personally at peace. We can only lend strength if we are strong. I think that large person I envisioned was actually the collective us. Because together we can see farther, together we have greater wisdom. Always there is more awake for us to become. And as we encourage one another to spiritual growth, that awakening has room. It can spread. Except where action is clearly called for, and there are many places that it is, except in those places where our words might be heard Productively, and there are certainly those, let us be as non-interfering parents for our community. Teaching by example, compassionate, wise, and loving, keeping watch.